0: Turn with me to Exodus chapter 6. Somewhere in all of our literary educations, we learn the story of the Trojan horse. So, the battle between the Greeks and the Trojans had gone on for 20 years, and the city of Troy had never been captured by the Greeks until one day the Trojans awaken and they find that the Greeks have gone and they think that they've finally driven them off for good, that they've been victorious. And what is left behind is this 25-foot wooden horse that they believe is a sign of their victory and surrender. And they think it must be a sacrifice to our Trojan gods. So the Trojans bring it in to their city of Troy as a gift. And they don't find out until they've all gone to sleep that it wasn't a gift. It was a ploy by their enemies. Forty different warriors come running out of the horse. They open the gates, and the city of Troy is captured. And it's a powerful metaphor to us because no one sets out to be captured. No one wants to go into captivity. But so many times, it's through the things we bring into our life that we find ourselves Uh, captive. And so that's what we're talking about today. Today, our title is Beyond Captivity. And the subtitle is Three Ways In, Four Ways Out. Beyond Captivity, Three Ways In, Four Ways Out. So let's jump into Exodus chapter 6. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by the name of the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you. Say that with me. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and will bring you to the land I soar with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession, I am the Lord." So powerful, but then it goes on to say this, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. I wanna talk about three ways into captivity first this morning, and the first one was referenced by the Trojan horse. Number one, we bring things into our lives that result In captivity we bring things into our lives that result in captivity this is the oldest trick in the book we see it in the first book of the Bible Genesis Genesis chapter 3 how did sin enter the world well we see it in Genesis 3 verse 6 when the woman this is Eve when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable For gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Satan didn't entice Adam and Eve into slavery by showing up as a a gruesome horror figure and say, Yes, come and worship me. Right? Instead, he gives something that's good. It's beautiful. It looks pleasing. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. They take it in and then they found it was a Trojan horse. It took me into captivity. And I don't know about you, but this is definitely my story of going into captivity through uh, sexual sin. That was my issue as a young man. And so I had watched so many movies. I was a, a movie guy, and I'd seen so many movies where the couple ends up engaging in sexual activity. And and watching that, you know, it, your heart gets pumping and you like watching it. But then I started watching darker and darker things until I find myself... I'm looking at pornography and, and looking at magazines and looking at videos. And, and so that, you know, it was exciting. And then I would find, oh, wow, it's like taking over my mind. And then it didn't stop with that. I started engaging that behavior, which first was exciting and exhilarating. And then I found, man, I'm, I'm trapped. And then I would have these subsequent experiences of shame and guilt and, and feeling like I couldn't get out of it. and I, I felt so condemned and like such a failure as a a Christian, I had found myself in captivity. That is the enemy's plan for us. So many times I I talked to different people who they thought something was good. They thought something would be appealing. I've I've had so many people say, well, I thought that that pot or marijuana, was going to give me some relief. And later on, they're totally trapped in addiction to it. Is that something going on in your life? Is there an addiction that you thought was good, it was fun, it was exciting, but now it's taken over your life. The Lord wants to set you free. Amen. Here's a second way we're captive, it's through other people. So why were the Israelites enslaved in Egypt? It wasn't actually something that they had done. Going back to understand the story, we go back 400 years before, to what God spoke to Abraham. It says, then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they'll be enslaved and mistreated there. 400 years before the Israelites, the Hebrew people had chosen to leave the land that God had promised to give them. Because of a drought, they ended up going into Egypt and things ended up turning into slavery. And so this whole generation that we're reading about in Exodus chapter six, they were the children of slaves from Genesis chapter 15. So the reason they were in captivity was something that had happened generations before. And I want to tell you, this so often, the reason you're in captivity is things that have come through your family line or through your ancestors. One of the, the authors that has really impacted me, his name is Jack Deere. He wrote a book called Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit. It really helped me understand the, the power of the gifts of the Spirit and how the same Jesus that worked in the New Testament is the same Jesus working today. It really ushered me into that. But I, I read his biography and I had no idea what he had gone through. Uh, As a young man, he heard a voice saying, you won't live to be 40. You'll kill yourself before then. And he had to battle these suicidal thoughts. Well, where did that come in? What had happened is his father had killed himself when Jack was just a child. And so there was this generational stronghold on his family that from nothing that he had done had entered into Jack's life that he had to overcome from this family generational stronghold. Now, another way that captivity happens is through our interaction with others. We call this uh, soul ties. So in First Corinthians, it, it helps explain this. It's talking about why we don't engage in immoral sexual activity. It says this, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. That's why we don't engage in sexual activity, not just because it's sin against the body, but it actually ties us to people. And then there can be an, uh, an exchange of spiritual trafficking in between our lives. And it's not just through sexual activity. It's through, it's through relationships. It's through uh, what other people are going through when you are bonded to them. And so here's another example of this. It says, after David finished talking, this is in 1 Samuel, talking about David's relationship with Jonathan. It says this, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And so their, their spirits were actually tied together. I experienced something like this when I was meeting with one of my dear friends in the church. We were on a long walk, and I was just kind of counseling him, and he started talking about the anxiety that he was going through and the depression and how he was going through panic attacks and everything was going blacker around him, and I hadn't ever experienced anything like that, and I leave our conversation. I get in my car, and I start experiencing exactly what he was going through, the exact thing, and I'm like, what is going on? What is happening to me? And I called a couple of my pastor friends and they prayed for me and broke off that transference of spirits and it lifted. But that's another way that we go into captivity is through others. And then here's the third way. We can become captives as a result of the discouragement and painful circumstances we experience. So Exodus 6, 9, it says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Some of us have gone through such discouragement and we've gone through such harsh things that we actually medicate ourselves, we try to do something in order to escape the pain. So we talked last week about the famous abolitionist, William Wilberforce, and what He did as he experienced so much suffering in his physical body, he actually tried to medicate that and numb the pain through opioids which resulted in addiction, right? So many times people out of a desire to just escape things or to numb the pain or to not experience or to to just try to get some relief end up going into captivity. I had an interesting experience because this is how how unique God is and how good God is. I was going into this uh, last six months, and we were doing some reorganization of the church, and so I was having to take on some more roles that are usually not my roles. And one of them was I was becoming the high school pastor for the next season, and, and having to do a couple other roles on top of that. So I, I went and said, okay, Lord, if I'm gonna do all this, then I need to let go of some things, right? Some healthy boundaries, not having, you know, overcommitted. And so I said, so Lord, what can I let go of? in the season, I'm thinking he's going to tell me some ministry responsibility. And the Lord says to my heart very clearly, alcohol. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm asking, God. Uh, By God's grace, I haven't struggled with alcohol. I I partied in high school, but when when I really recommitted my life to the Lord, he freed me from that. And so for decades, I haven't dealt with that. But I do love to have a glass of wine with a meal several times a week. And so I'm saying, God, what should I let go of to make more room in my life? And he says alcohol. And I'm like, um, no, God, that's not, that's not what we're talking about letting go of. Like, I'm talking about ministry responsibilities. And he was very clear, like, no, don't, don't drink in the season. And I'm like, oh, bummer. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, but I'm gonna obey. And he's speak, clearly speaking that to me. What I didn't know that is how much pressure and pain, and persecution, and challenge, and then some some minor depression I started experiencing. And I I won't forget when I was driving home going like, man, I need to escape this. And I thought, ooh, I'll have a big glass of wine when I get home. And I realized, nope, no, you won't, because the Lord told you not to do that. And so for months and months, I didn't drink. And it hit me so strongly when I was talking to one of my friends, and he's crying. And he said, I've been going through a real hard time in my family. And then he said, and I just need to confess to you, it's led to drinking and I'm over drinking. And in that second, the spirit was like, that's why I told you to keep you from falling into something. You might not have ever fallen before, but I was keeping you from falling into that. So many times it's out of the pain or the discouragement that we actually find ourselves going in to captivity. So let's talk about how we can come out, we talked about three ways into captivity, let's talk about four ways out, because Jesus wants to set you free. So I want to establish a theology of freedom today. And it's very important at this time in January, because we just passed a national holiday, which is known as National Quitters Day. And it's the day that the vast majority of Americans quit, give up on their New Year's resolutions. So January 13th is actually known as National Quitters Day, and it's been extensively researched by this organization that looked at 800 million people and found that 80% of people by January 13th have given up on their New Year's resolutions. And so what I want to tell you today is this, God speaks to Moses and says, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. From under the yoke of the Egyptians, I will free you from being slaves, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty axe of judgment. Today, I'm not talking about a self-help book. I'm not talking about you finding the new latest diet. What I'm talking about is you actually accessing the power of God and Him bringing you out. It's about Him, not you. And I know immediately some of you are like, no, but I can't be free. And I want to say, how dare you think that you're more powerful than the Lord? How could you as a mere human think, no, I can't be free? Are you saying that God's wrong? Are you saying that you know more than him? No, this whole book is a story about God, powerful God setting weak people free. So Jesus shows up in Luke 4, 18 and he says like, this is who I am, this is who the Messiah is. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me, and he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. But he says, that's not, that's not all. He sent me to f- bring freedom for the captives and to set the oppressed free. Like, that's who Jesus is. So don't tell me you can't be free. And I'm speaking to you, not this as a pastor, but a person who was trapped in sin. Like, I was trapped. I, I know what it's like to feel like your mind is out of control. I know what it's like to feel like you're in a, in, a, a, in a pattern. I know what it's like to feel like your body is controlling you. But by God's grace, for the last 20 years, I haven't looked at pornography. Okay, and I, and I haven't had sexual immorality for, oh, actually, it's 25 years. So you can be free. You can be free. And I know so many people that have had the same experience as me. Because it's not about you, it's about him. He is the freeing God. So let's talk about these four steps to get you out of captivity. Step one is you got to step into the truth. You got to step into the truth. First of all, we believe that he can set you free. That he can set you free. If he can deliver millions of Israelites through a sea and send crazy plagues and feed them, then certainly he can break your little captivity. He does that by us walking in the truth, and so how do, we, how do we walk in the truth? Well, there's three different ways we walk in the truth, and, and I want to liken it to my supplement bag here. So if you ever travel with me and Steph, you'll see we carry our supplement bag, and the reason we do that is growing up, I was, I was a sickly kid. I always had a sore throat. I always had bad congestion. It always turned into sinus infections and then it would get worse. And at times I'd get pneumonia. I've got mono before it was bad. And so my dad, in desperation, looked into things that could help me. And so he gave me lots of vitamins, supplements and herbs. So the the first point is the word helps you maintain daily health. It helps you maintain daily health. So man, I discovered this, vitamin C. Oh, I love vitamin C. Take thousands of milligrams of of vitamin C for my immune system. I take probiotics for digestive health. I take magnesium for my heart health. You know that I had a heart problem. I take take these, and no, I'm not getting paid by any distributor today for any of this. Uh, And I don't want any distributor to show up on our YouTube page either. but that brings daily health. That's why I'm always talking about you being in the Word of God, you having a FaceTime, because you need to have a... You, I, what I, I, I appreciate people who take showers in life. When you don't take a shower, you're stinky. Okay? So I, 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 I encourage my kids to take daily showers. Um, you need to wash your mind daily by the Word of God. So just be in a daily reading of the Bible and it will renew your mind. This is what the Bible says. It says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The pattern of this world is to put you in slavery, but God wants to renew your mind and all freedom begins in the mind. Sin always starts in the mind. So we have to transform your mind. So you need daily health. But then the next thing is we need to build strength. So we build strength in different areas. So I, I have three athlete sons, and so I'm in the gym with them. And, and, and I noticed at, at 40, I was like, man, I'm not as strong. And, man, my muscles are so much more sore than they used to be. And so one of my weightlifting friends was like, bro, you need the right supplements. You need this. Extend. Uh, essential amino acids. And, and this is legal, and it's essential amino acids, I know you're looking at me going like, yeah, he's probably on steroids. I, no, I promise I'm not. <laughs> but this is this helps my muscles recover and has helped me uh, stay up with my, my boys by just taking those. And, and, and here's the point. What are your essential amino acids? They're those areas that you want to build in. So you're like, man, I want to I be a person who walks in more peace. Then you take Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, bring those requests into God, and the peace that transcends all human understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so you memorize, and you speak out, and all of a sudden you find that it starts becoming a part of you, and you get stronger in the area of peace. He will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is steadfast because he trusts on you. You start meditating on the scriptures, or, oh, I, I, I want more joy. And so you start finding these scriptures, you start doing a study on joy. So like this next weekend, I'm gonna be in El Salvador doing healing meetings, and so I've been studying more healing scriptures. Why? Because I want to be built up in that area. Amen. So what's the area you wanna be built up? And the crazy thing is, the more you, you build up muscle, the more resistant you are, again, to sickness. So, but here's the last one. So, you're maintaining daily health. You're building strength in different areas. But then, you actually fight infection. So, when things get really bad, I'll actually take one of these. That's an antibiotic, okay? This is Cipro. And I travel all over the world, and sometimes I get a bacterial infection. And I'm like, man, it's time to get those boogers out of here. So, you nuke it, right? You fight it. You put something in, in your body that'll fight, right? Now, now, some of you, you've been beat up long enough, and it's time to say, no more. I'm going to fight. Uh, I, I, another illustration I give, uh, give to this is when you were in science class, you were in, in, in uh, chemistry, and you were working with chemicals, and the teacher said, hey, if you get a chemical in your eye, don't just stand there and let it eat your eye away. Go do this. You go to the eye wash station, you put your eye, <laughs> you get the junk out by forcing the water in. Selah. How, how do you get the junk out? How do you get the infection out of your mind? By force, forcing the water in. Two things can't be in the same place. So when I was dealing with crazy lust and my mind was always bombarded, I just said, okay, I, I got to fill my mind with something else. So I just always had Scripture playing. I get in my car, right, and instead of playing my rap music, I was playing the Bible, right, and just watch And I started listening to sermons incessantly, good Bible teaching, to renew my mind. Why? Because two things can't occupy the same space, right? So I was forcing it out. So, man, you don't have to to be an addict in your mind. Force it out with the washing of the Word. So first we step into truth. The second thing we do is we step towards people. We step towards relationship. I've never met someone that got completely free in their life by themselves. Right? You probably heard it said before, there's no Lone Ranger Christians, which cracks me up because the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He had Tonto, right? So... You're not gonna do that, you're not made to do this on your own. So Moses starts complaining, he's like, God, I'm scared. And God doesn't say, nope, go back. He, by yourself, he says, well, what about your brother Aaron? He's, he can speak well and he'll be glad to see you. So we need ministry partners. The Bible says when you're, when you're struggling, it says confess your sins one to another and they'll pray for you and then you'll be healed for the prayer of a righteous man or woman is effective. So how do we get free? We go up, we tell someone I'm struggling, and we get help. We tell someone I'm being attacked, and we get help. Yeah. So here I am, 46 years old. I, I'm, I'm living out these things I'm teaching. And this week, man, I started getting bombarded by, by just this negative attack from the enemy. And so what did I do? And I, and I started feeling like alone, right? That's a ploy of the enemy where he's like, you're all alone. You're the only one going through this. You have to do this by yourself. And I started feeling that. I started feeling that. And so what did I do? I picked up the phone and I called Joe and Tricia Rhodes, two pastors on our staff, and I said, hey, this is what I'm going through. Can you guys stand with me? Can you pray with me? And they said, yeah, let's lead you in some prayers. And so we're praying, we're, we're, we're walking through some stuff, and by the end, man, that lifted off of me. Here, here's what I like to say. I, I don't know a leader in the body of Christ that I respect that doesn't have two things. He has a, a mentor. So every, every great leader I know has a mentor and he has someone to go to for counsel. Yep. He has a counselor, yep. right? So who is your mentor and who is your counselor? Who is your mentor? Who's your counselor? And who's your community? We got to step towards people. What we saw so clearly, and we talk about this all the time, through the pandemic is the healthiest people that came through that, this is statistically shown, were people that were in Christian small groups. So please be in a small group. Be in a small group. Find a mentor. If you find yourself struggling, it's worth it. Go to a Christian counselor. Just make sure it's biblically sound, because the, the Word of God is effective, and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Thirdly, what's the third step we take? So we step into truth, we step towards community, or step towards a person, and then we step into a power encounter. How does God set them free? He says, I'm going to do this with an outstretched arm. I'm going to do mighty acts of judgment, right? Moses didn't just talk Pharaoh into letting the people go. Well, this is a good idea. It wasn't through wise and persuasive words. It was through mighty acts. I'll never forget this woman who came at the very beginning of our church. She was brought in by another couple. I I'd never seen someone who seemed more tormented. She had... She'd sit there, and she wouldn't make eye contact with you. She kept her, her hair over her face. She wouldn't let you see her eyes. She wore just uh, disheveled, frumpy clothing. I found out that she didn't drive. She didn't hold down a job. Uh, she, was, she was so painfully shy, she couldn't even communicate with you. And so we invited her into a freedom session. That's what we do here where we pray, and we, we talk about what's going on in the past and how Jesus wants to come in. In the midst of that session, I find out that she's gone through the most heinous abuse I've ever heard of. I won't ever even repeat all the things that happened. And she didn't even wanna engage with the Lord because those things had happened at the hands of men and she knew that God was a father and Jesus was a man. so she didn't even, she never couldn't even engage like that. And so we said, we wanna invite Jesus in. And the next thing I know, she's having this vision And she's seeing Jesus in beautiful, pure white light. And in the vision, he comes and stands between her and her abusers. And when that happened and she's describing it, we just feel the presence of God fill the room. I mean, we got God bumps all over us. It is a holy moment. And in, in a moment, there was this dramatic thing that happened and we just felt something break. It was crazy. So we're all, we're all crying. We're all going like God has been here. Like I, I wanted to experience what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. But because she lived in so far North County and she didn't drive, we didn't see her for several months. Well, when we see her again, we didn't even recognize her. This woman who would just sit like this with hair in front of her face now walks up to us, makes eye contact. Her hair is done, she has makeup on, she's dressed nicely. And she explains that for the first time in her adult life, she's holding down a job. And she had gone and gotten her license and had no fear of driving anymore. And now she's communicating with us uh, as an eloquent, put-together person. God had transformed her through a power encounter. I want to tell you, no one is too far gone to be restored by Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to give people freedom today. When we step into that. You guys, that's why we have nights like the prayer night this Wednesday. I encourage it, be a part. That's why we do Commission Weekend. I just read this morning someone sent a testimony and said, I want to give someone a scholarship and their kids a scholarship for Commission Weekend because it's so transformed my life. So that's why we're talking about transformation of family and transformation of your workplace and transformation. Uh, of your city, that's what we're talking about in Commission Weekends. So why do we do weekends like that? Because you give God space, the Bible says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It Says you'll seek me when you find me, when you seek me with your whole heart and so we make room for God and then he can step in and move. We're a church of freedom. I love seeing people set free. I, I think about the people that lead our freedom ministries are people who have been set free from alcohol and meth addiction. Uh, people that lead our homeless ministry, we're homeless. Right? People that, 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 that lead these different deliverance ministries are ones that have been delivered. He is a freeing God. So step four, last one. Last one, and this is a little different because we've been talking about what he does. But then you have to take note of, of what happened at the end when they actually got their freedom. It says this in Exodus 12, moving way forward. After all these plagues and what God did, it says, the Israelites journeyed. So my point for is step into a journey. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Isn't that interesting? God didn't just pick, he could have, but he didn't just pick them up on a cloud and float them over. No, he said, you got to use your little feetsies. You're actually going to take a step. And and, and we think like, oh, of course. But no, they were leaving what was comfortable. Like they were leaving their houses. They were leaving, yeah, they might have been in slavery, but at least they knew where their meals were going to come from. But he's like, no, you got to take a step. Like, the children of Israel would have never gotten free from slavery if they wouldn't have taken a practical step. Are you following me? Yeah. So you got to take a, a practical step, okay? You got you to take a practical step. I talked to a 14-year-old this week a uh, junior high, and this 14-year-old junior higher told me, hey, I deleted my, my social media apps, because I don't think it's helping me, right? That's a, and no one told them to, but that was just something the Holy Spirit convicted them to take a practical step so they could get closer to Jesus and not be so distracted and captive to things. Uh, I, I, I've met numerous people who have said, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm addicted to, to social media or I'm, I'm addicted to pornography and it's all accessible on this little Device right here, so I'm gonna switch to a Motorola flip phone. Wow. And you're like, who would do that? I know a lot of people. In fact, I said that and I'll walk out and a San Diego State girl walks up to me and look, here's my flip phone. She goes, I did that to get free. Not awesome. We gotta take practical steps. You say, man, I can't get free from alcoholism. Well, maybe stop stepping into the bar. Right? Um, some people are like, man, I, I, I just can't get I just keep sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. You got to step away. Right? I had to end a relationship before because it kept leading me into sin. What is the practical step for you? What's the, what's the practical step that God is speaking to you to help you get free, that you can step Away from that. Why don't we stand up?